Everyone has questions. Why am I here? Where will I go when I die? Is there really truth? But not everyone has biblical answers. Welcome to the Pastor Study, a ministry of pastorstudy.org. Join us now as we study the Bible to draw closer to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Here is Pastor Tom Brock. Welcome to the Pastor's Study. Our question for this half hour is, will just a few be saved? Will heaven be full and hell almost empty? Or will hell be full and heaven almost empty? Today we're going to see Jesus' answer to that question. Could you take out your Bible? Turn with me to Matthew chapter 7. And before we get into this, let's pray. Father, we pray for everyone watching our program believing nobody stumbled onto this by mistake. If there's anyone watching this program who is on their way to hell, somehow God turned them on their way to heaven. And we ask you to speak to us now through the ancient words of Christ. In his name we pray. Amen. Matthew chapter 7, starting at verse 13. Jesus said, Enter through the narrow gate. Here's the first lesson today. The gate to heaven is narrow. Now, sadly, we have many pastors in our churches today that teach just the opposite. Oh, no, God is love. Everybody goes to heaven because God is love. It'll be fine. That's not what Jesus taught. Jesus taught the way to heaven is narrow. There is a movement, sadly, called the Progressive Christianity Movement. If you go to some church's website, they have their statement on the front. We are progressive Christians. We believe Jesus is our gateway to the realm of the divine. But that doesn't mean other people who have other gateways aren't just as legitimate in their way as we are in ours. In other words, everybody's saved, all roads lead to heaven. No, that's not what Jesus taught in Matthew chapter 7. Years ago... We had a couple starting a, started to attend the church that I served here in Minneapolis because I'm a Lutheran. Their Lutheran pastor down the street in their church got up in the pulpit one Sunday, and, and the text from Christ was John chapter 14. Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. The pastor from the pulpit said, I don't know why Jesus said that. We know our God is bigger than that. And she said to her husband, he's correcting Jesus from the pulpit. Let's get out of here. Listen, don't be deceived. Jesus said the way to heaven is narrow. Look at verse 13, Matthew 7, 13. Enter through the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is broad that leads to destruction. Here's the next lesson. The gate to hell is wide. Again, sadly, many pastors today believe differently. In fact, you'd be surprised how many Christian pastors don't even believe in hell anymore. I used to be an ELCA Lutheran until that denomination got so liberal, the church I served and I left for a more biblical branch of Lutheranism. But years ago, I go to our liberal ELCA uh, convention, and they had a Jewish Christian seminar. And I went, and the Lutheran pastor said, all Jews go to heaven, all Christians go to heaven, we all go to heaven. 
Afterwards, one of my delegates from my church went up to that pastor. But pastor, what about the verses in the New Testament where it says you go to hell if you reject Christ? And the pastor's response was, there is no hell. Okay, I guess Jesus was wrong. <laughs> you know, I'll tell you, the same pastor, by the way, he's the pastor in the suburbs here in, in Minneapolis. The suburb in which his church is has been observing Bible Appreciation Day for years. That Lutheran pastor went to the church, uh, the city council, and tried to get them to undo that. A Lutheran pastor? We base our faith on the Bible in the Lutheran church? So don't be deceived. Jesus said the way is narrow. Jesus said the gate is wide that leads to destruction. There was a man by the name of A.W. Rainsbury. He wrote these words years ago, and it's gotten worse. Here's what he wrote. Hear this. Time was when the doctrine of hell caused men to tremble. But it no longer does so, for the doctrine of hell has been relegated to the rubbish heap by the modernists. They think they are wiser than the Lord Jesus. They do not believe in hell anymore. Indeed, more are concerned with the dangers of nuclear war than the dangers of hell. I tell you in the name of God that the danger of hell is far more real, far more certain, infinitely more terrible, and for some, far more imminent than the danger of nuclear war. And so again, when I was part of the ELC Lutheran Church, I go to one of our liberal synod conventions, and somebody gets up and makes a resolution against the styrofoam cup. And this woman said, yes, we Lutherans like to drink our coffee, but we're destroying the environment with the styrofoam cup. Therefore, she made a resolution which passed that we should try to ban the styrofoam cup. I got to the microphone, and I said, if we cared half as much about the dangers of eternal hell as we do of the dangers of the styrofoam cup, there might be hope for our synod. <laughs> oh, my. Don't be deceived. Jesus said there's a hell. There's a hell. Matthew chapter 7, verse 13. The way is broad that leads to destruction, and there are many who enter through it. Here's the next lesson. There will be many who are lost. You probably have unsaved loved ones. So do I. The Apostle Paul says, I have unceasing grief in my heart for my Jewish brothers who have rejected Christ. So pray for your unsaved loved ones, and I do too. But at the end of the day, this verse will be true. Jesus said, many will be lost. Verse 14. For the gate is small and the way is narrow that leads to life. Here's the next lesson. The way to life is hard. <laughs> when you become a Christian, you have to fight the world, your flesh, and the devil. That's hard. It's worth it, eternally worth it, but it's hard to be a Christian. Uh, look at verse 14 again. The, the gate is small that leads to life, and there are few who find it. Here's the next lesson, and you can... You can disagree with me on this. I'm not sure on this one, but here's what I'm taking out of that verse. Relatively speaking, there will be fewer in heaven. Jesus doesn't say here that there will be few in heaven, but I think he's saying here, relatively speaking, there will be fewer in the narrow gate than in the wide gate. We're going to turn now to a very similar passage in the Gospel of Luke, where Jesus says almost the same words. Let's turn to Luke chapter 13 and look at verse 22. 
And Jesus was passing through from one city and village to another, teaching and proceeding on his way to Jerusalem. And someone said to him, Lord, are there just a few who are being saved? And he said to them, strive to enter through the narrow door. Here's the next lesson today. To enter heaven, strive. The word strive there in New Testament Greek is agonizo, from which we get the English word agonize. It means to struggle, to fight. There is a fight, a struggle in the Christian life. Again, you have to fight the world, your flesh, and the devil. And if there's no fight going on, you've got to ask yourself if you're saved. I mean, when somebody comes to me and says, Oh, Pastor Brock, I committed this sin. I've done it before, and I've fought and fought, but I did it again. And I'm so... I think there's all kinds of hope for that person because they're fighting. They don't win every battle, but who does? But they're fighting. But when somebody is living in impenitent sin, I'm doing this, nothing's wrong with it, and I'm not going to turn around... I think that person's soul is in eternal danger. We had a family that started coming to my church because the woman said, the woman president of our congregation is living with her boyfriend. The choir director has just introduced her lesbian partner to our whole church. And, you know, I heard this. It sounds like there's no fight against sin in that church. Jesus said, strive, agonizo, to enter through the narrow gate. Look at verse 24 again. We're in Luke 13, verse 24. Strive to enter for the narrow gate, for I tell you, many will seek to enter and will not be able. Here's the next lesson. Many will seek heaven but miss it. Why? Because they're looking in the wrong spot for it. They're following the wrong guru. Last week, a friend and I were having lunch, pastor friend. We're talking about the Lord at this burger place. The guy at the next table pulls his chair up to us, hands me a business card. Well, my friend is making Christian products, and you might want to invest in this, etc. And we talked for a while. And I said to him, oh, what church do you go to? Well, I don't go to church. I believe in reincarnation. And so we got into it. And finally, I said, why do you believe reincarnation is true? Well, I went on a special diet, detoxified my body, that opened my third eye. And that's when I was told reincarnation is true. And I said, look, and he, he thought we're all part of God. And I said, I'm more part of the devil than I am part of God. My only hope for salvation is Christ died for my sins. We really got into it. <laughs> well, after he left, he gave me his business card. I sent him a little gospel tract uh, on how to be saved. But you know why a lot of people are lost? They're following the wrong guru. Jesus says many will try to get in, but they won't get in. I will tell you a sad thing. Recently, the National Cathedral in Washington, D.C., the biggest church in America, building-wise, I believe, it's the big Episcopal Cathedral where presidents get buried, etc. Well, they were in the news because now they're going to do homosexual marriages. I visited the National Cathedral years ago because it's a beautiful building. Sadly, I mean, it's very liberal, it's Episcopalian. They have a big picture, they did anyway, of the Dalai Lama in their sanctuary. So this older man is leading, a, he's one of the docents of the, of the cathedral, leading a group of teenagers through the cathedral. And so I'm following, listening to the history, and then he says to the teenagers, well, you know, people used to believe that you had to believe in Jesus to go to heaven. We don't believe in that anymore here. And I, I, all, I just kind of wanted to scream. <laughs> Listen, Jesus is saying the way to heaven is narrow. 
He doesn't say it's why. He doesn't say Buddha, Muhammad, everybody works. He said, I am the way and the truth and the life. John 14, 6. Verse 25. Once the head of the house gets up and closes the door, and you begin to stand outside and knock on the door saying, Lord, open up to us, then he will answer and say to you, I do not know where you are from. Here's the next lesson. Many will seek Christ too late. What a horrible scene it will be at the second coming when Jesus comes down in the clouds and people realize it's too late. I had to believe in Christ before he came down and they're lost. I'm going to show you a picture now that I keep hanging on my wall. Uh, this is from Michelangelo's Sistine Chapel. He painted in the 1500s. In the Sistine Chapel is this huge, beautiful picture of Jesus coming down in the clouds. Christians are being raised into heaven. Unbelievers are being pulled down into hell. The scariest part of that whole picture is this man, look at the look on his face, who just discovered, I am damned. Why? Because he had rejected Christ, and it was too late. Many will seek Christ too late. Look at verse 26. Then you will begin to say, we ate and drank in your presence and you taught in our streets. Next lesson. Mere acquaintance with Jesus will not save you. Well, you know, Lord, I went to church. I was acquainted with you. Uh, I even could, could do the Apostles' Creed from heart. Uh, no, knowing about Jesus won't save you. The devil knows about Jesus. The devil knows Jesus died on the cross. Just knowing about Jesus, what saves you is knowing Jesus himself. And what I mean by that is, do you pray to him? Do you read his word and let him talk to you? Do you ever talk to people about Jesus? Um, do you ever serve him in some way? Not do you know about him. To be saved, you have to know him. And this gets harder. Jesus said in Matthew 7, you can do miracles in Christ's name and still go to hell. Listen to this. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name, cast out demons in your name, do many mighty works in your name? Then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. Now, that, that is the, the key word, lawlessness. If you continue in impenitent, hard-hearted sin, there's no repentance going on, no fight, you'll be lost. I mean, I, here's a man I, I know. He goes to church. He keeps pornography in his house. And then he repents when he looks at it, but he keeps it in the house. And I said to him, how can you go up for Holy Communion when you're keeping that stuff in the house knowing you're going to go back to it? Throw it away. <laughs> Verse 27. And he will say to them, I tell you, I do not know where you are from. Depart from me, all you workers of iniquity. Next lesson. People are damned because they are workers of iniquity. Now, let, let's talk about this. In one sense, we're all workers of iniquity. We all sin in thought, word, and deed daily. Okay, I agree with that. But there's a difference between sinning and repenting and fighting and following Christ and living in hard-hearted, impenitent sin. There's a difference. Let me explain this. Here's a man who walks down the street. He slips and he falls into a mud puddle. He gets up, brushes himself off, keeps walking down the street. Later he falls into another mud puddle, but he gets up, brushes himself off. That's a Christian. But here comes man number two down the street. He slips and he falls in a mud puddle. He pitches his tent 
in the mud puddle. He, pre, he lives the rest of his life in that mud puddle. And Jesus' point here is, no matter how much that guy goes to church, says the Apostles' Creed, if you're living in the mud puddle, you're not saved. There's a story many years ago when people were leaving Europe for America in big cruise boats that there was a big sign on one of the docks that said, stowaways will be prosecuted on the other side and put into jail. We have stowaways in the church. We have people in Christian churches. We have pastors in Christian churches who are acquainted with Jesus, but they're truly living in iniquity. Well, they will be persecuted or prosecuted on the other side. Look at verse 28. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth when you see Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and all the prophets in the kingdom of God and you yourselves being thrown out. Here's the next lesson. Jews who reject Christ will not be saved. In Luke chapter 13, Jesus the Jew is talking to the Jews who rejected him and he's saying, you're not going to get in like Abraham got in. Again, at that liberal Lutheran convention years ago, uh, that pastor was giving the Jewish Christian a seminar, and his teaching was Christians go to heaven because of the New Testament. Jews go to he heaven because of the Old Testament. And again, that's not what Jesus is saying here. Jesus the Jew says to his Jewish disciples in, in John 14, I'm the only way to heaven. You've got Peter, the Jew, preaching to the Jews in Acts chapter 4. There's no other name given under heaven by which we must be saved than the name of Christ. So, you know, uh, I don't care if you're Buddhist, Christian, Muslim, Pentecostal, you need Jesus to be saved. And you might say, well, but Pastor Brock, you're so narrow. Hey, we just read it. Jesus said it's narrow. Talk to him. It's narrow to get to life. Verse 29. And they will come from east and west and from north and south and will recline at the table in the kingdom of God. Here's the next lesson. There will be people from everywhere in heaven. There will be Jews who believed in Christ in the first century that you'll see in heaven. There will be Mongolians from outer Mongolia near China that believed in Jesus yesterday. That you'll see. There'll be all kinds of people and tribes and tongues in heaven. But the way they got in was narrow. But this verse is hinting to the answer of our original question, will there be a few in heaven? There's going to be people in heaven from all over. Look at verse 30. And behold, some are last who will be first, and some are first who will be last. Here's the next lesson. You will be surprised who is and who isn't in heaven. Somebody you thought would have first place in heaven might not even be there, and someone you really thought probably wouldn't make it all will be there. <laughs> all right, let's go back to the original question. Will there be just a few in heaven? Listen to the answer from Revelation chapter 7. Paul, uh, John has a vision of heaven. He says, I looked. And behold, a great multitude, which no man could number, from every nation, tribe, people, tongues, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes, with palm branches in their hands, crying with a loud voice, Salvation to our God, and who, to him who sits upon the throne and to the Lamb. Will there be a few people in heaven? No. There will be so many people in heaven, you can't count them. <laughs> but the way they got in was narrow. They got in through the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And let me close with this. 
Some time ago, there was a big parade in New York City. Something like uh, 12,000 people showed up for the parade. And in the first three cars rode people with the sign on the side of the car, these people were saved from burning buildings by the New York Fire Department. Three carloads of people, and then behind them marched the firemen, and people were just praising and, and applauding the New York Fire Department. Can you imagine what it's going to be at the second coming of Jesus Christ. He comes down in the clouds, all the dead are raised, and then those whom he saved from the fires will praise him for eternity. Amen. Welcome to the portion of the pastor study where we now ask Pastor Brock to share with us his knowledge of scripture and his insights to answer questions we have regarding today's sermon, the Bible, and our everyday walk with the Lord. Pastor Brock, you talked about heaven and hell. What about purgatory? Yeah, well, the Orthodox churches and the Protestant churches don't believe in purgatory. Catholic churches do believe in purgatory. Catholics believe you, uh, if you die with sin on your soul, unconfessed sin or, or, or whatever, you have to go to purgatory and have your sins purged off, burned off through a period of time, who knows how long, and then you end up in heaven. Uh, the Protestant and Orthodox churches don't believe in purgatory because frankly, we don't see it in scripture anywhere. Uh, Luke chapter, is it 15? When you die, you go right to heaven or hell. Uh, you don't, uh, Jesus has already purged us of our sins. He took our sin payment for us, so we don't have to go and be purged. So I believe when I die, you die, you go right to heaven because of Christ's sacrifice. Okay, Pastor Brock, you said to strive to enter life. Yeah. But aren't we saved by grace and not by striving? We are saved by grace, not by striving. But Jesus, the, the guy's question was, Jesus will just a few be saved? And Jesus answered, strive to enter by the narrow gate. So my point was this, that yes, we're saved by grace alone, but grace never is alone. Grace always moves us to strive after the Lord. And so even the striving is not something I can take credit for. Even the Lord is doing that in me by his spirit. So we're still saved by grace, but, but that's, both are true. So can a person be sure he's going to heaven instead of hell? Yes, I think that's usually. Jackie, I was raised Lutheran. I didn't understand that you could be sure you were saved until I was about 20 years old. I had a college girl ask me, Tom, are you sure you're saved? And it was at that point, somebody pointed out 1 John 5.13, I write this to you who believe in the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life. And the Bible promises if you trust in Christ, you can know your sins are forgiven, you're going to heaven. When that light bulb went on for me, it changed my life. I think I was a Christian before that point, but Christianity went from being kind of a drag to the most wonderful thing in my life. So it's important, if, if you don't know for sure if you're saved, 1 John 5.13, read it, claim it, and get the joy of the Lord. But we still sin, Tom, and I think that that's the problem, is that how can you be assured? Yeah, well, I, I too have days where I wonder if I'm saved because of my sinfulness, mm -hmm. which is why I have to pray and say, Lord, I claim 1 John 5.13, not my feelings, because our feelings can lie to us. I think that's also why God gave us Holy Communion. Through communion, God assures our hearts that our sins are forgiven. So I like to take communion a lot to reassure me that 1 John 5.13 is true. Isn't it hard for people to believe if they believe God's a loving God? Mm -hmm. They have trouble believing that he'll send people to hell forever. I know. What do you say to that? All I can say is, if we have trouble believing there really is a hell, it's probably because we don't take our own sins seriously. 
or the holiness of God seriously. And bottom line, Jackie, I don't understand everything, but Jesus says there's a hell, there's a hell. Bottom line. Okay. Yeah. There is a theory out there, isn't there, Pastor Brock, about unbelievers not going to hell, but instead they get wiped out yes. and destroyed forever? Yeah. What is that That's called, all about? It's called annihilationism. Seventh-day Adventists are annihilationists. Some liberal Christians are annihilationists. They don't like the doctrine of eternal hell. So they say, okay, well then, if you don't believe in Christ when you die, you get wiped out, but you don't have to suffer for eternity. The only problem with that is Jesus talks about people being, uh, in, in Matthew 25, uh, the, the righteous go into life, the unbelievers uh, go into, e Jesus said this, eternal punishment. So it's sad for me when I read of some now even evangelical writers saying there is no eternal hell. Sorry, that's not what Jesus taught. So hell is eternal it punishment. Is. Right? Once you get into hell, you never get out. That's why we need to, con to preach Christ to our families and friends. Once you die, it's over for eternity. Okay, we've talked about heaven and about whether you'll know loved ones and that in heaven. Mm -hmm. What happens if you go to hell? Are you going to be conscious or oh, just? I think you'll be conscious because if you read Luke 15, the guy, the rich man that goes to hell, he's begging to get out of there. You bet he's conscious. Yeah, so, you know, so I don't know how much they'll know in hell, but it's called eternal suffering. And people say, well, do you believe it's literal hellfire? I don't know. All I know is I don't want to go there because it's suffering. Whether it's spiritual suffering or physical suffering, who cares? Let's not go. You know? what, what can we say to unbelievers, Tom, to make them fear going to hell? I, 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 Jackie, a friend and I were having lunch. This, this stranger pulls his chair up to me and starts talking about his belief in reincarnation and everything. And I said to him, but what about your sin? You know, he, if, you re, if you believe in reincarnations, you being good enough to get, get rid of karma to get to heaven. No, no, no. What about your sin? Who's going to take care of your sin? And I just really t zeroed in on him. You need somebody like I need somebody to take care of your sin before God. That's what Jesus does. Okay, we want to thank you for being with us. At the end of the program, you're going to see our website. We invite and covet your prayers right now as we try to make decisions on what to do. And at the end, of, on our website, you'll find a way that you can support us in our needs and our desires to continue this ministry or to broaden it. So we would covet your prayers and your financial support if you're so led to help us with these, uh, this situation as we struggle to make the right decision. We pray that God would be with you this week, granting you his richest blessings until we're together again next time. Thank you for watching The Pastor Study. You can watch more of our programs at pastorstudy.org. We are on the air preaching the gospel of Christ because of our generous support of you, our viewers. Would you consider supporting our ministry? You may do so at pastorstudy.org. Or write The Pastor Study, P.O. Box 41294, Minneapolis, Minnesota 55441. May the blessing of our one triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit be with you today and always.